Well, good afternoon, 1 p.m., Victory Midtown. Y'all doing all right today? Come on, are y'all awake today? I'm glad to be in church, and I hope you are too. And, uh, and we're excited. Listen, while Nathan was talking and he was sharing that this is the only place that you can get a Chick-fil-A uh, cookie on Sunday, I saw some people who are regulars like, I'm going to be a visitor today. So we, we're going to be watching and see who grabs those bags today. No, but we're excited about being here today. Uh, it's been an incredible, incredible day. Uh, all the other two services today have been great. But I want to, before I jump into the message, I want to kind of just reiterate something that Nathan said, even as we're talking about Christmas gift to the world. If you are here for the first time or you haven't been around Victory for a while, uh, you may not know, but every year, like you said, we give in Christmas gift to the world. And last year, we had an opportunity to give over $700,000 uh, across all three campuses to our local and our international mis mission of eradicating human sex trafficking. And that was an awesome, awesome initiative, and we are always looking to see how we can be a blessing here locally and abroad. And the reason I'm excited about this year uh, is because I believe we can do even better than that. Amen? I believe we can do better than that. Last night when Pastor Dennis was ministering at Norcross, he actually made the statement. He said, yeah, we gave 700000 last year, but we're going to go for a million this year. Do I have anybody with some faith in the room that said we can go for a million? And again, that's not just, those are not just frivolous numbers that we're putting out there. It's important because just like you saw in the video, we're able to do great and mighty things as we look to continue to advance the kingdom of God. Uh, I say this often, you know, we're not a church that, you know, passes the baskets two and three times and things like that to try to, you know, go for a money grab. You know, we're a church that if you actually blink, you know, sometimes you won't even see the offering go by. But what we do want to do is make sure we know the process and the intentionality of being able to give. So that's why every year at the end of the year, we come together and say we're going to give over and above our tithes and offering. And we're actually going to go directly to a mission to advance the kingdom. So just like my wife and I did last night, we were talking and praying about how we will lead in giving, and I want you to do the same. Just take this week to kind of really process through what is the Lord saying to you about giving towards these initiatives. Amen? All right, so we're jumping into the message today. We're actually concluding our series on the third person today. And I'm real excited about this because today, again, we have seen miraculous things happen. And I say miraculous because people who didn't have an understanding about what we're going to talk about today gained an understanding. And people were able to walk in a new level of truth today. And we had many testimonies right outside as we were shaking hands after service about people saying, man, thank you for bringing that angle to the gospel today. Now, what we're talking about, if you're new here or if you've missed a couple of weeks, the last several weeks we've talked about the Holy Spirit. We call this series the third person because a lot of times you hear about God the Father in the form of Father. Everybody accepts that. We secondarily hear about God in the form of Jesus. Yeah, we, we know how to receive that. But a lot of times, God in the form of the Holy Spirit is the one that's kind of like the forgetting, forgotten God. We kind of put him over to the side. We kind of say, okay, uh, that other one. And what we're saying is that we know we don't want to operate like that because the big idea for today, as we continue to go through the series and we finish it out today, is that our relationship with God is truly defined by our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Our relationship with God is determined on our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And in the last several weeks, what we've done is we've tried to set a foundation because the goal for me if no one else, the goal for me is that we take some of the mystery out of the Holy Spirit, that we demystify the subject of him, the Holy Spirit, and understand that as we demystify it, we're not diminishing his power. So in the first week, what we talked about, we said, who is he? Who is we? We said, Holy Spirit is a person. And we gained great emphasis on that because we said, if you don't recognize and accept and react to the fact that Holy Spirit is a person, you will never grow into a personal relationship with him. The second week, we talked about the fact that while he is a person, we want to make sure we have him as our guide. As a matter of fact, we said he's our best friend. He's the one that wants to make sure you're not wandering around in the, in the wilderness. He wants to be the one who is a helper in this truth to you. And then in the third week, last week, we talked about a subject that's somewhat familiar in the body of Christ. We talked about his attributes, his character. We actually talked specifically about the fruit of the Spirit, the nine attributes of the Holy Spirit. 
And I believe as we go through this, we have gained a lot of information, but more so we've gained revelation of how he wants to operate in our lives. And today we're going to cap this off with what I believe is a life-changing subject and a life-changing message. We're talking today about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're new here, don't, don't, don't get up and leave. You're like, okay, I stepped into something today. No, you stepped into an environment where we're going to bring clarity, where we're going to be able to show some things of what God really wants us to walk in and the God-sized potential that he wants us to fulfill. Now, I said last week that we were 31 days out from the rest of the year. As a matter of fact, I said 31 days until the new decade. And I can do really good math, so today we're actually 24 days out. And what I said, why I brought that up, it wasn't just for me to count down. It was for us to understand that we have just a little bit of time to prepare ourselves to go into the next year. What do I mean by that? I don't believe I'm in a place where people just want to roll into the new year, where we just want to limp into the new year. We're just trying to claw and scratch and say, Lord, get me over the line. I believe I'm around a body of believers who say, I want to prosper going into the new year. I want to go in with purpose. I want to go in with fire. I want to go in with intentionality. And the only way we're able to do that if the helper does it with us. The only way we're able to do that is if we're able to take what he wants to do in and through us and actually allow him to walk alongside us and inside of us and guide us through this new year. So what I want to do right now before I go another step, I want us to pray real quick. Because this is a message that if you grab what happens today, your whole life will change. I don't say that lightly. You don't hear me say words like that. But I believe if we grab what happens today, we'll be able to shift into a new dimension. As a matter of fact, one of my, the subtitle of this message for me only is to level up. To level up. We're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but we're talking about how do we level up in the things of God. So let's pray. Bow your heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this great day. We thank you, God, that all day you've been showing yourself strong, and we know that you continue to go from glory to glory and from faith to faith. So right now, Father, open the eyes of our hearts. Allow us to hear that which you want to say. God, I'm not good enough to get this word to people how you want it to be received by them. But Holy Spirit, you can do it how you want to do it. So, Father, I yield to you and we yield to you so that we can walk in the fullness of that which you have us to operate in. We give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as I said, there's an urgency. There's a fire that is under us as we're looking to close this year off strong and to go into the new year. And I believe that God wants to give us a full package of his benefits. He wants us to not just know that they're there, but to actually take hold of them. And as we're looking through this today and talking about fire and kicking ourselves into this new gear, I want to read a scripture that's going to kind of set a foundation as a launching pad for what we're going to talk about today. And this scripture, this is John the Baptist talking, him kind of setting the tone for the one to come in the name of Jesus. And the scripture that we're going to start off in is Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 in the New Living Translation. So you can turn to it, turn on your Bible or whatever you want to do or watch on the screen or follow by you version. We're going to go ahead and jump off of this scripture. John said this, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who was greater than I am, so much greater than I am that I'm not worthy even to be his slave or to carry his sandals. Here's the part that I want you to focus on as we jump today. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Can you say that with me? The Holy Spirit, Spirit. and with fire. Why is it important that I make uh, a great focus on that particular scripture? It's important because what I want you to know, and I want you to take this down, there's actually two different distinct types of believers who follow Christ in the earth. You may be saying, well, okay, all of us, we serve God. Yeah, we're all one big family. Yes, we are one good family, but there's a distinctive that's there if we actually can take a look at it. The first group that I want to draw your attention to, these are the people who are baptized through salvation. They say, okay, I'm baptized in water. I'm baptized in water. I believe I've confessed the Lord Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You know, I want to be a good person. I want to operate in the fruit of the Spirit. You know, I'm just going to press through and just kind of allow God to just live in and through me. That's great. Nothing's wrong with that. 
But I'm here to let you know, as we talk about leveling up, there's another level, there's another distinctive that God wants to give us. The second group that I want to talk about and focus on are believers who are baptized not only in water by salvation, but are also baptized in the Holy Spirit, that are baptized in the Holy Spirit. These are those who operate in a different way. These are those who say, Lord, I want everything that you have for me. If the Bible says it, I want to walk in it. If it's in your word, I want to grab it. And as we look at this, I want to bring to bear something that we need to take a look at that gives us an understanding of what this difference does in and through us. So the scripture I want to read is Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. And this will show you what I'm talking about. The Bible says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, Paul took the road through to the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, which were just believers in Jesus, some disciples, and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He was asking them this question. They answered, no, we have not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism, the first one that we're talking about, was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. But hear this portion here. It says, when Paul placed his hand on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now you heard me put an emphasis on on them. There's a reason why I said on them. Because for the last several weeks, what we've been talking about literally has been the influence of Holy Spirit in us, around us, how he guides us, how he leads us, the attributes and the fruit that comes out of us. But I want you to know, if you didn't know already, but there's a big difference between someone or something influencing you on the inside versus it coming upon you and taking over you. And what we're talking about today, I want to make sure that we know that when it's inside of you, it's kind of covert. It's kind of working behind the scenes. It's kind of like pre-workout. You're drinking and you kind of feel it and you're ready to rock and roll. But when it's outside of you, there's a distinctive that when people see you, they see something change. Let me show you what I mean. Nathan, can you come up here for a second? So Nathan, I believe, is a believer in Jesus. Is that I, true? I would hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> so you would say that you've confessed Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, sir. All right. So when you confess Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, uh, I want to know, did something distinctive, did something significant happen when you did that? Yes. I actually received a gift. Did you? Yes. What kind of gift did you receive? So it's a gift that I keep inside. Okay. Uh, do you want to see it? I would like to see it. So it kind of looks like a prayer shawl. Okay, okay, show me. I like to think of it as my Christian pocket square. Okay, whatever but you want to call it. Here it is right here. That's what I'm talking and about. And most of the time, I, you know, I keep it in here, mm -hmm. and it just kind of guides me. Okay. It helps me. You know, it tells me uh, this is something that needs to change in you. Okay. And I just, you know, I internalize that and am able to work through that. That's good. Can I, can I see this gift? Of course. Okay. So we are figuratively saying... This, this gift here is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. So as we look at this gift, we're looking at it, and what, what if I told you, just like you said, you keep this gift inside of you, and you're influenced by this gift. But what if I told you, not only did God want you to have this gift influence you on the inside, but he actually wanted to open this gift up to become something that goes upon you, that's on you. The reason why I'm asking that question is because when now this gift, the Holy Spirit, is now on you, it actually changes the way I even see you. It changes the way you look. It kind of gives you, if I, if I would say so myself, a little bit more of a swag. Hey. So when I'm looking at you now, this particular gift that used to only operate inside of you and it was kind of covert, people would have to really get to know you well to know that it existed. Yep. Now, as soon as I look at you and see you, I'm seeing something that's different. Yep. So with the same gift of the Holy Spirit that's upon you now, I believe this gift right here, just like you're saying it was in you and now it's on you, let me take another step further. Now, if you put this over your eyes, this gift that's upon you, I believe it changes the way you see things. Yep. It's like a filter 
This Holy Spirit that is now upon him is like a filter that now, in order for him to see, he has to see through the lens of Holy Spirit. And I believe right now that with the lens of Holy Spirit, now you're able to see things differently than you saw before. You're able to now walk into situations with a new level of understanding, with a new level of boldness, with a new characteristic that says, okay, I'm not just operating in how I used to operate. There's something now that he wants to show me a little bit more advanced. So for me, my question for for you like it is for him is would you like to be able to say, I don't just want Holy Spirit working in me. But I want to make sure that he's influencing over me, upon me, so that whenever people see me, they're able to say, oh, something's different about you. Is that anybody in the room today? I believe right now I'm in a place where people can say the Holy Spirit is not just in me, but he's upon me. Thank you, Nathan. Can y'all clap it up for Nathan? Why am I bringing that to, to light? Why am I kind of focusing on that? Because if we never understand that God wants to actually transition from just us being influenced to us really truly being dictated and led by him, we will only operate in a portion of what he has promised for us. But when we grab that, I want to make sure we know that we're taking the mystery out of anything you might be guessing, that we are a part of that group that believes in that second type of baptism, which is the baptism in water and in the Holy Spirit. Right here at Victory Midtown, across all of our campuses of Victory, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So in case you were wondering if this was a spirit-filled church and if we believed in him, yes, we do. I want to take any mystery out of that. And I want to talk to us about what this means for us as a church and what it means for us as believers. Now, the next scripture that I want to read, I'm going to give us a blueprint for how we even operate here. Because this scripture that I'm getting ready to read, it is actually the foundation for how we have called ourselves in the body of believers with the vision that we're going after. If you look over to my left, your right, you see over here in the connection corner that we have these flags here that represent our pillars of our vision. We say we believe in building families. We believe in transforming communities. We believe in reconciling cultures. And we believe in impacting nations. That's why we're sending a gift overseas. And when we say this, we see this right here reflected in the scriptures in Acts chapter 1. So let's turn to Acts chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 4 through 8. Right here, this is Jesus when he came back on the scene after he died, he was buried, and he was resurrected. This is when he came back to start to give the disciples insight about what it would look like when he left the earth. And what it says here, it says, in being assembled together with them. He, Jesus, he commanded them to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for truly John baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But here's the part that actually lines out our vision here at Victory. Verse 8, it says, but you shall receive what? Come on, 1 o'clock service, preach with me. But you shall receive what? When the Holy Spirit has come where? Upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So let me close the gap real quickly when I talk about the vision. Jerusalem is what we reflect as building families. That's who is right around us, who who we are with together. Judea represents just a little bit outside of our purview. It represents how we transform communities. And Samaria talks about the foreigners, the people who don't look like us, who don't sound like us, who might have a different hue than us. That's where we reconcile cultures because we believe in operating in this together. And then to the ends of the earth is how we impact nations. So I just want to make that really clear. This is not something that we're just throwing out there. Because as a church, we're not just camping around a theological thought. We're not just saying, oh, we pick the scripture out and say, let's go with that. We're saying we want to operate in everything that the word gives us to operate in. Because if he said it was for us, why not take advantage of it? If he wrote it in the book, why shouldn't we not live this out? And I don't know about you, but I'm the type of person, I don't want to operate in a historical Jesus. 
I don't want to operate in a historical Bible. I want to operate in a Jesus, in a Bible, in a word that's actually applicable for me right here today at 1.51 p.m. on December 8th. And I believe if we take this on, we're able to see what Jesus said. Because what happens is that he said, I want you to be witnesses. What does a witness mean? A witness is one who reproduces what they see. A witness is one who tells what they experience. They extend and exemplify what they have been taught so that they can extend that influence out. And when we see here what Jesus is actually doing, he's letting the disciples know that observation time is over. That all this time, this three and a half years that you've watched me heal the sick, raise the dead, that you've seen me turn water into wine. Some of y'all were like, if I can just get that miracle, I'll do that on my own. He said, all these things you've watched me do, but now it's time for you to do it too. And as we look at this, there was an entire, entire new reality that he wanted to bring to bear in their lives. For them to understand that not, don't just hear me do this. Don't just watch me do this, but you walk it out as well. See, up until this time where Jesus gave them this command, where he gave them this understanding, people could only receive the Holy Spirit or operate in the presence of God through the filter of other people, through people like Joshua, through people like David, through people like Moses, through some of the prophets. But what Jesus was saying is like, now you can do it too. It's not just be held to them. So there's miracles, signs, and wonders that just like I did it, I want you to do. Now, when he said this, there was a caveat. There was a kicker that he wanted to give them. And I gave y'all a lean in last week, but I, all, all day I've been having people lean in. So I need y'all to lean in for me. If you're new here, that means just kind of lean forward. Give me a posture that you're with me right now. Over there in the back, I need you to come on in. Come on in. On this side behind the pillar. Come on. The kicker that he wanted them to understand was the same way that he was able to operate in these supernatural things. What he was telling them is that it's no longer reserved for me. That you can do it too. You can do it too. You can do it too. And as we continue to participate in this participatory service of sorts, I want you to grab the hand of the person sitting next to you real quick. Everybody touching somebody. And I want you to kind of pull on them a little bit because he kind of started to tell them something else as he was telling them they can do it. What he was telling them is he said, not only can you do it too, but greater works can you do. Bigger things can you do. More influential things you can do. Now, you might be sitting there looking at me saying, Jesus was Jesus. I can't do what Jesus did. He was God in flesh. But here's the thing. Grab them hands one more time. Grab them hands one more time. Some of y'all are like, man, I don't like to do this much touching in church. <laughs> when you grab those hands, I want to show you something. What he was saying is that it's not that you're going to do better works than me or something greater than me because I was God. But what we can do now with a combination of believers connecting and having this understanding, now greater, more, more exemplified works can we do in the earth because there's now more of you. I'm just Jesus. I'm one person. But if I can get you to understand that I have a package for you that I want you to take on, that I have a benefits package that I want you to lock into, Greater works can we do? Come on. Greater works can we do when we do this together? Does anybody in here want to do the greater works? Come on. I, I think I'm in a room where people want to do greater works. So I'm not making this up. This is not like, okay, I'm giving you a motivational speech this morning. This is right here in the Word. The Bible says in John 14, 12, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, do you believe in him? Come on. Do you believe in him? He says, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Now, in a few verses down in verse 15, he says this. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him Here's what I want you to see, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, something shifted right there big time when Jesus left the earth. 
He broke this down. He gave them an understanding. He said, now something's going to change. Something's going to shift. And what shifted is that when he left, when he ascended to heaven, now you have what we call the upper room experience. The upper room experience was where 120 believers came together on one accord. Look around real quick. That's about kind of about the size of what's in the room right now. So put yourself in a mindset of looking at that time and saying, if all of us were in one room on the same page, looking to the same God, understanding that he can do anything but fail, giving us a key that we can actually tap into something, what can happen? Let me tell you what can happen. The same thing that happened there, the Holy Spirit with their agreement at that time of them coming together, the Holy Spirit came and fell upon them. And every single person in the room, they started to speak in other tongues. Now, when I say that, some of you are like, okay, you said act like you were back in the day, but I don't really know about that. I'm telling you, just like it happened in the room of 120, it can happen right here today. And as we look at this, I want you to understand that it wasn't just about them now being able to speak in tongues. Because so many times when we talk about Holy Spirit or we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the only thing we focus on is is, is tongues. The only thing we say is that's the expression that we're focused on. But I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit, the baptism, the whole point of it is not simply about tongues. The whole point of it is actually what it says in the scriptures that you shall receive power, enablement, ability to be a witness, to be someone who carries this thing out. But here's the thing. Act like we are that 120 people. The same thing that happened here, when they went out because they were now filled and baptized, everywhere they went, they started to change things. Whenever they showed up on the scene, something had to shift. Churches started to be multiplied. People started to get healed. The things that they saw Jesus do, they were able to do. And I want you to act like it's us today. That means when we leave this place, if we receive this word, if we grab it, and if we really lean into it, the same thing can happen that when we go over to Howell Mill, we can break out revival. When we go over to uh, Cumberland Boulevard, we can, we can break out revival. When you go on uh, to Ponce City Market later, somebody will be looking around you, and you'll be praying for people and raising the dead and healing the sick. And God says, it's not limited to this historical account. It's for you today. It's for us to walk in today. So when we look at this, I want you to grab this understanding because the supernatural should be regular in our lives. The spirit-filled life should be something that we walk in every day. Theologian A.W. Tozer, he said it like this. He said, the spirit-filled life is not a special, deluxe edition of Christianity. It's It's part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. What does that mean in layman's terms? It simply means this is our inheritance, y'all. This is something that is given to us because God has already given us a promise that he says, this is not just for the preacher. This is not just for the person who went to seminary. This is not for the person who prays and locks themselves up in in the room for three hours and doesn't come out and say, I'm praying all day. This is right here for you. This is for us to say we can take hold of this and walk in it in strength. So this means that we have to shift just like they shifted. This means that the way that they were baptized in the Spirit, they received that baptism and then something changed in their lives. Now I want to break down three things that I just want to identify today that happened in my life when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and that I believe is going to happen in your life and that historically happens in the Word. The first thing that happens when you actually receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that you receive a new prayer language. You receive a new prayer language. Now, again, I know this may be a subject that sometimes we kind of stay away from, but again, I'm trying to demystify this, but give us an understanding so we can receive it. Acts chapter 2, verse 4 says this. And they were filled, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, as the Spirit gave them utterance, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Why am I repeating that? Because I'm not talking about what you do out of your own strength. I'm talking about what the Spirit of God enables you to operate in because He's in control and He wants us to join forces with Him. As I've stated before, we are a church that believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which means we believe in praying in tongues. We believe in the power and the power gifts and different things of prophecy and healing and things of that sort. 
So let me make this even more personal. Not only are we a church that believes in praying in tongues, but I'm, as your pastor, I believe in praying in tongues. And I pray in tongues a lot. I pray in tongues in the gym when people are thinking I'm listening to hip-hop and all these types of things. I'm actually listening to worship music a lot of times or listening to the Word. And I'm praying as I go from one set to the other saying, Lord, get me through this workout. I pray in tongues when I'm in the car on the way to church. I pray in tongues when I'm coming up on this platform, understanding that I don't want to do this by myself, Lord. I need you to come and be the enablement for me. I pray in tongues at home. Many times I'm walking around in the house and I'm praying and my wife will yell across the house and say, hey, you talking to me? And I say, no, I'm talking to God. And she knows now that by modeling, I'm going to be submitted to the work of the Holy Spirit because I have to be connected to him. And what I want us to know is that tongues equal the Spirit directing our prayers. The praying in tongues, it's not this mystery, this mystical thing where you don't have control. It is the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God directing our prayers. Let me show you something. In the Scriptures, Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 27, it shows us one of the main purposes for praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues. It says this, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray. Can you just say that? I don't know what to pray. We do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to what? The will of God. Not my personal will, not by what I think is a good idea, but the will of God. The last portion of that verse is very important because if you're really honest, most of our prayers are about what we want. Most of our prayers are about what we feel is a good idea. Even on our best day, we can't pray the perfect will of God. That's why he gives us a helper to say, I need you to level up. I have actually more that I actually want to get to you, through you, and work in you. And if you don't understand that, you will always operate at the cap the lid of your own knowledge. And what God is saying right here, that this is an answer to prayer for some of us. I know it's an answer to prayer for me. Because I want, like I said, everything that God has for me. But at the same time, I realize that I'm limited in my thought. I'm limited in my experiences. So there are some important things that I want to share with you. And I actually want to tell you a little bit about how when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was about 22 years ago. I was in college, and I remember when I actually got saved, and I said, Lord, I want everything. I want to continue to push into things of God. I don't want to leave anything on the table. And I had a great mentor at the time. Uh, his name is Brad McClary, and he actually walked me through the discipleship process. And in that discipleship process, he took me to a church that he attended on a regular basis, and I ended up attending that church for the four years that I was in college. The name of this church, ironically, was Victory Christian Center. No connection to Victory Church as we see it today, but I believe God works in mysterious ways. So I remember going and going time after time. And this is a church that was actually kind of in what they would call the Word of Faith camp. And what they would do at the end of every service, they would preach the message, they would go through worship, and at the end of every service, they would give the opportunity for you to be prayed for, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And in that, I said again, I don't know if it was gullible. Or I don't know if it was just like, I'm just young. But I said, whatever God you have for me, I want it all. So I answered the call. And at the end of the service, they took me to the back. That's how they did it back then. We're not taking anybody to the back. All right? But what happened was I remember going to the back, and they had someone to talk with me and to kind of walk me through this process. And they started to ask me some questions before they prayed for me. They asked me some questions because they wanted to make sure that I wasn't just operating in an emotional experience. They wanted to make sure that I understood what was actually taking place and what I was asking for. So there's a few context questions and a few statements that they gave me to ensure that I understood what I was walking through. And I want to give you those same things today, if that's all right. A few things that they asked me. The first thing, just like I asked Nathan when he came up on the platform, they asked me, are you a believer? Are you saved? Have you given your life to Jesus? Because that is a prerequisite for you receiving anything after that confession. 
I was able to affirmly say, yes, I'm on fire for God. I'm walking in the, in, in the light, and I want what he has for me. The second thing they said, they wanted to make sure that I recognized that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was for me. How did they do that? They said, listen, just like the Bible says, I want to, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Again, I told you, this is not reserved for a, a little segment of people who are calling themselves religious or spiritual. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. They wanted to recognize that it was for me. The third thing they said, they said, you have to have a desire for this. I can't desire this for you. While the pastor know the, knows the benefits, while the ministers know the benefit, you have to actually have a desire for it. Let me say it like this. Many of you, you know people who are kind of thirsty. You know those people. Y'all looking at me like y'all don't want to act like y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know those people you see. You're just thirsty. Now, this is a good place to actually be thirsty. This is an appropriate time to really be thirsty because the Bible says those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. And God wants us to be thirsty. He doesn't want us just kind of go by the wayside and say, uh, if you want me to have it. No, he wants you to come after it. The same way we were coming after him in worship. He's saying, come after me with that thirst and I will fill you. The other thing he said, they said to me, they, asked, they said, you have to ask for it. You have to ask for the baptism. This is not going to be this thing that you're just walking and now you just fall on the ground and, you know, this is this thing that you don't understand. You have to ask for it. You have to be conscious when doing this. And then the last thing that they actually said to me that is a big deal for a lot of us that I believe has hindered a lot of people from really walking in the fullness of this, they said, you must do the speaking. You must do the speaking. Holy Spirit is not just going to explode past your lips when they're closed and start to speak this language you don't know. You actually have to put some, some effort into releasing and just like you form your words and say hallelujah and thank you Jesus, you still have to open your mouth to allow Holy Spirit to flow through you. He is a gentleman. He won't speak for you. You have to do the speaking. And so I remember sitting there and it, it didn't take too long, but I remember initially they prayed for me, and I said, I'm going to release myself to really receive this baptism. And at, the, at first, I started to kind of pray in natural language. I started to say English words. I started to say, hallelujah, and Lord, I thank you. And they kind of coached me up a little bit and said, all right, that's good, sir, but I need you to now not let this process through your mind and really release and allow your spirit to start to flow through you. I didn't really know what that meant, but what I did is I took my psyche out of it. I took my pride out of it. I took what does it sound like I'm saying or who's looking at me. I took all of those things out, and very shortly after, as I started to just allow the words that were being formed and coming out of my mouth that were coming up like living water, I started to pray in another tongue. And from that day on, just like you don't start to just pray, you know, speak English in one day, it took you years to learn English. So you have to do it repetitively. What they told me is like, don't leave this right here in this experience. When you leave out of here, continue to practice the presence of God. Continue to practice putting your mouth on what the Spirit says and allowing him to flow through you so you get comfortable with him. So I started to do that, and I got very comfortable to the point that literally when I'm in all types of different places, you may see me just moving my lips very, very quietly because I'm praying in the Spirit because I understand the benefits that come with it. Now, why am I saying all this? Because I want you to understand some practical things. When I received this baptism, I started to change. I started to shift. If you've been around here for any period of time, you've heard me talk about how I used to be very timid, how I used to be very shy, how I used to allow people to just like run over me because I just wanted to be the nice guy. But when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, something started to shift in me. My faith started to expand. I started to understand that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It no longer was just a scripture. It was a life that I was living. My capacity started to extend. I remember being afraid and timid even as I played football. And when I then now received this baptism, I started to step out into things that I wouldn't step out in before. What else did I do? My confidence really grew that I was praying the perfect will of God. Because now I was no longer depending on me knowing enough Bible scriptures. 
I was no longer depending on me being in church for a certain amount of years. I was now depending on what it says in Jude, verse 20. There's only one chapter in Jude. Write it down. Jude, verse 20, where it says, listen, building up your holy, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. As I started to do all these things, I actually started to look back and say, why didn't I take advantage of this sooner? I think it's because, just like many of us that may have encountered this same thought, is that the world oftentimes tries to give a natural explanation to a spiritual experience. And what even the world would say to this, if you tried to rationalize it, the world actually calls it, I want to give you a word to actually know that we're giving you some information that's that's useful. The world calls even speaking in tongues the glossolalia phenomenon. The glossolalia phenomenon. And in their interpretation, what it says, it says that this is when the vocal organs of the speaker are affected. The tongue moves, and in many cases, without conscious control of the speaker, and generally unintelligible speech starts to pour out. And if you think about it, even with me reading that definition, that would be a reason for some of us in here to say, I don't want any part of that. Because for some of us in the room, we're like, I'm a CEO I'm a board member, I'm I'm, I'm a VP at this place, I'm an influencer. I don't want to operate in places where I should be able to speak intelligently and then I just start breaking out. That's what I'm, I'm not talking about the fact that Holy Spirit is going to come out of your mouth. He wants you to know that he's a gentleman, he wants you to embrace him, and he wants you to know that this is something that actually goes far past your intellect. You can be the smartest person in the world, but still, the, the... presence of Holy Spirit speaking through you gives you another edge, allows you to level up. So listen to this. Just understand that this is the one gift out of those power gifts of prophecy and healing and all those things that you can actually use anytime you want to, as you will. All of the others, you have to actually have Holy Spirit to influence you in those. But God has given us a gift to say, each and every day you can practice my presence. Each and every day you can walk in my strength. So you may be asking, after I say all of that, you guys say that you're a spirit-filled church? You say that you believe in praying in tongues and all of this stuff? Well, I've never heard you do that in the service. There's a reason for that, that we don't do it often. The reason for that is because that actually a lot of times scares unbelievers. A lot of times it scares people that don't understand it. Why am I saying this? It scares them. So what we're doing, we're not saying that we're going to omit it, but we would rather make sure that we open the door so that we can make sure that people hear the gospel in a way that now their hearts can be changed and now we can walk them through the path of discipleship. And when it is time for us to operate in those gifts, we will make sure we do that. But I want to ask you the question, what if you came to a church for the first time? You never heard anything about Jesus. You never heard anything about tongues. And we looked around and people were just yelling out, speaking in languages you didn't know. I don't know if you would stay there too long. And so what we want to understand is even as I say that, there are actually two different types of tongues. There are praying in tongues, which I'm talking about, and there is speaking in tongues. I don't have time to go deeply into it, but I want to let you know this. Praying in tongues is for our private edification. That's where we are speaking the mysteries of God, where he is inter- the Holy Spirit is interceding for us on our behalf. But speaking in tongues happens when Holy Spirit comes, but there should also be, if someone speaks in tongues in a public venue, there should also be an interpretation. For example, if somebody on this side was to yell out, don't yell out, if somebody over here was to yell out <laughs> and start to just pray in tongues by the Holy Spirit's influence, there ought to be someone else in the room that would actually interpret it. But what has happened so many times, people go to one extreme or the other. You either go all the way away from tongues at at, at its most, or you say, I'm just kind of going to be quiet and don't even worry about it. So as we're talking about this, I want you to grab this, and I want to explain to you, even by the scripture, really quickly, to give you this for your own review. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18, it says this, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. This is Paul talking, explaining the dynamics of why and how we speak in tongues. I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Y'all got that? 
I would rather, let's just make it personal. I would rather say a few words, give you some definitions, give you some founding in the scripture, give you some things that you can use that is practical that you can actually use on Monday than to stand up here and have a party all to myself praying in tongues. And you don't know anything. You just came in here and we had a great spiritual experience and you left worse than how you came in. Verse 23 kind of gives us another insight. It says, so if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Will they not say that you are crazy? That's why we do what we do. So that when we're in private sessions or when we do even pre, uh, pre-service prayer in the morning at 8.15, those are environments where we do pray in tongues because most people have had some type of teaching, some type of understanding of what it means to walk in the Spirit and to pray with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Y'all got that? So write this down as I continue to move. We don't have to speak in tongues. We get to speak in tongues. We're not forced to speak in tongues. Let me give you this caveat for someone who might be having their shoulders a little tense right now. You don't have to speak in tongues to be saved. I want to make that very clear. You don't have to speak in tongues to be saved, but it's a great benefit. It's an awesome benefit if you really want to walk in the fullness of what God has for you and you want to take on everything that he has for you. So the second thing that I want to tell you that happens is that when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, new boldness comes upon you to share your faith. New boldness comes upon you to share your faith. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, it says it very clearly. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. They spoke the word of God with boldness. What is boldness? It is our willingness to venture out and do the right thing at the right time. It doesn't mean it's always going to be comfortable. It doesn't mean it's something we always feel like doing. We might have a little fear, a little timidity. But when we walk in boldness that goes far beyond our understanding, we're able to depend on the work of the Holy Spirit to say, you're speaking through me. You're working through me. You've allowed me to level up and come outside of myself. But I want to ask this question as we talk about how it helps us in our boldness to share our faith. Rhetorical question, when is the last time you shared your faith with an unbeliever? Yeah, just just think about it. It's not for you to answer. When is the last time that this same gospel, this good news of Jesus going to the cross, dying, being resurrected for our sins. When is the last time you shared with somebody that this has helped me, this has blessed me, my soul is now saved, and I want to share this with you? Because the reality of it is we get fearful because we are afraid of how people will look at us. Here's another litmus test. You might be very inspired sometimes to actually post something extremely spiritual on social media, but how many times do you write it and delete it? How many times do you not post it because you're like, they're going to think I'm weird? How many times do you say, okay, I don't know if they're going to get me. They're going to be asking me questions. No, we need to be able to say the same way that the world is so bold talking about what they believe, we need to be just as bold talking about what we believe. I want to say it like this. We should be bolder about the God who has shaped us than the world is about the world that shapes them. I'm going to say that one more time. We should be bolder to talk about the God who has shaped us than the world is talking about the world that shapes them. As we look at this, we will grab a new unashamed gospel to be able to say, Lord, I'm your vessel. And now I'm not dependent on my fortitude, I'm dependent on your boldness. So as we look at that and actually take on that boldness, this leads me to the last piece that I want to share with you today that that happens when we take on this baptism of the Holy Spirit. This third thing is that we now receive a new power to operate in the supernatural. The supernatural should not be something that scares us. The supernatural is simply God putting his ability on our ability. Coming outside of what we think we can do to say, Lord, you can do what you do. And many times, God is waiting on us to be able to say, listen, I'm right here wanting to show myself strong through you, but you're putting the lid on me. You're not letting me walk through you. Let me break down a couple of the ways that God wants us to be able to walk in the supernatural. 
This is something that you can study later because I believe you'll start to identify with some of these things. And you'll start to see, oh, man, I kind of operate in that thing. I kind of operate in this. Let's read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. It says this, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the workings of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. But here's the thing. But one and the same Spirit works all these things. The same Holy Spirit that we're baptized in, the same Holy Spirit who is enabling us, works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Let me say this. God, Holy Spirit, wants you to operate in all these things. Holy Spirit wants you to know that the supernatural is not something that's somewhere out there. Holy Spirit wants you to know that you can be a normal, logical person and be very spiritual and operate in the supernatural at the same time. Holy Spirit wants us to know that the baptism is for us. And if we can grab this, we will understand that the working flow of the Holy Spirit and the working flow of the supernatural brings a distinction to us from the world that we serve a God who lives. People are looking to us to not just operate in a religion. They're looking to us to see if you say you believe what you say you believe, how are you going to operate in the power of that? I want to close with this quote. It's a quote by Benson Andrew Idahosa. And he, is, he was called the father of Pentecostalism in Nigeria. He said it like this, and I want you to hear it like I'm saying it to you. He said, my discovery is going to be your discovery. If we do not have the supernatural in Christianity, we have nothing to offer the heathen but a religion. And true Christianity is not a religion. True Christianity is a relationship. True Christianity is where God says, listen, I have set up some things for you. I didn't send my son Jesus to die on the cross for you so that you can operate in status quo. He sent his son Jesus because, listen, there's some things that I want to do to you and through you. There's a greater you on the inside of you. As we close this year out, we need to fashion ourselves and say, Lord, I want everything that you have for me. Lord, give me all you got baptize me in the Holy Spirit and in fire show me how to walk in the leading of your spirit because my question to you and it's actually a challenge what would happen if every single person in this room today was baptized in the Holy Spirit what would happen if we start putting it off and saying oh that's for mama if we start putting it off and say oh oh that's for the preacher what if we said, I might not understand this fully, but my faith is saying that I need this baptism. What if we opened ourselves up in a way that the gospel became real because when people see us, they see God. And in this room today, I believe some of us have gained a new understanding. We may still be a little unsure, but I believe you can take the first step of faith today. I've had an expectancy in my heart all day all the way from corporate prayer this morning, that people are going to come into a new knowledge and understanding of who Holy Spirit is to them. That people who have been operating in the margins will now be able to step out into the forefront. And the way that we're going to do that, we didn't spend four weeks talking about the Holy Spirit because it was a good thing, a good series to do. We did it because we want the truth to be shining through you. So in this moment, what I want to do, the way we're going to close, I'm going to pray for a couple sets of people today. The first one I want to pray for, for those who are in the room today. And you may be saying, this all sounds wonderful. As a matter of fact, something is actually burning up and coming up in my spirit. I'm actually feeling a stirring, but I've never confessed Jesus as my Lord. 
I've been operating in the kingdom of darkness and God is saying he wants you now to operate in the kingdom of light. As we said, a prerequisite to operating in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that you have to be saved. You have to give your life to Jesus. So right now, let's just take a moment. Can you bow your heads all over the room? I want to give some people an opportunity to make this confession today. And if you're in the room and you want to make that decision today, you want to surrender your life to Jesus, not just say I'm a Christian, but to surrender your life to Jesus for a new walk with him, with every head bowed, can you just lift one of your hands to me right now? I see these hands all over the room. I'm excited as I see these rooms going up because something is changing here on December 8th. You can put your hands down. Victory Midtown, with your heads bowed, let's pray this prayer all together because we're going to walk with these people. We're going to usher them into this newfound position in Christ. Repeat this prayer after me, but say it with fervor. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your blood that cleanses every one of my sins. This day I repent which means I turn away from my old way of doing things and I turn towards you and accept your way of doing things. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Shape me, guide me, and lead me into all truth so that I can live for you. In Jesus' name, I am saved. Hallelujah. Can we put our hands together for that right there? That's a good place to clap your hands. That's a good place to clap your hands. The next thing I wanna do right now as we get ready to close is I wanna ask the prayer leaders that are in the room to come down front with me for a moment, down here at, at the altar. Because I believe there were several people in the room today that this may be a new way that you have even heard the Holy Spirit described, the baptism described. And you're in here today saying, I've been leaving some things on the table. God has given me some promises that because of fear, because of misinformation, because maybe I just wasn't ready yet, I never walked in. But today is your day. Today is a day where you can receive this baptism that we're talking about. And again, I don't want you to talk yourself out of it because I just heard in my spirit, somebody just said, well, I can't do it because I'm not good enough. I can't do it because I haven't been committed enough. God is saying, you won't be able to commit unless you have my Holy Spirit walking with you. And today, these prayer leaders are down here because some of you still have some questions. Some of you might just be right there on the brink and say, can somebody just pray for me and lead me like they led Mo years ago? We want to take a moment to do that. But what I... stepping out now into a new dimension and I'm not caring about what happened to me before I'm not caring about who's looking at me I don't care about if someone thinks I'm a little different or a little weird I want those people in the room who want this baptism that we talked about today just to stand on your feet right now and I see somebody already doing it and come on down to the front come on down to the front come on down to the front this is a safe place this is a safe place this is a safe place. You can go right up to one of the prayer leaders. Go right up to one of the prayer leaders. And they're just gonna walk you through this process. We're not throwing you on the ground. We're not drowning you in oil this morning or this afternoon. But today you'll have an opportunity to receive this new level, to receive this baptism. Now everybody else in the room, you may not necessarily wanna come down right now, but I want us all just to stand all over the room. Just stand all over the room. Because what we're going to do, we're going to create an environment that's conducive for Holy Spirit to bring the baptism through you. Again, this is not an emotional experience where you have to be crying and you have to be on the floor turned over. Holy Spirit is the gentle person who wants you to know that as you receive him, he wants to be in this journey alongside you. So we're going to sing this song, we're going to worship, but as we sing this song, I'm going to pray for us first, and then I want us just to open our hearts and open our spirits. 
And some of us, as you stand in the place where you are, you're going to start feeling a stirring like living water start to bubble up in your spirit. And what I want you to do, I'm not going to force you to do anything, but what I want you to do is just to start to open your mouth and start to release that thing that doesn't sound like English. I want you to start to release the words that come through you from the Holy Spirit. So let's lift our hands right here and surrender. Lift our hands, lift our hands. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you that you are our helper, you are our guide, you are the one who knows all. And Holy Spirit, I thank you for your baptism. Today is a day that is new for some people in the room. Even people who have known you in the past, God, I thank you for a refreshing. I thank you for a new baptism in the Holy Spirit that takes them from the place where they have been to the place where you're taking them. God, I thank you that this is not a laborious time, but in this moment, you want to come in and through us with ease. There will be some people in this room, Holy Spirit, that they will receive their prayer language right away. There will be other people that when they go and get in the car, they will be able to start to worship and pray with you, and you'll start to speak in and through them. There are some people that are going to go home, and when they're there by themselves, you're going to just start to minister to them and say, open your mouth and allow me to come through you. So, Father, I pray right now that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is resident and present in this place. That where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That we receive you now, God, in the supernatural with boldness and with a new prayer language. So right now, as we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we open ourselves up to your baptism. Let's worship together. Start to open your mouths. Start to praise him. Start to worship him. So if you have your prayer language, while we sing this just for a few moments, I want you to start to put your prayer language in the atmosphere. This is a time where we can come together and we can pray and we're in order. But right now, why don't you, if you have your prayer language, just start to pray it out in the spirit. Start to create a buzz in the atmosphere. Start to pray even for those who you see looking to receive that baptism. As you continue to worship again, some of you, while you're right there, the Lord is going to bring him through you right now. Let's charge the atmosphere. Let's charge the atmosphere. Let's charge the atmosphere. Let's 
We call on your name, Jesus. The name of Jesus is a strong tower. We run in to the name of Jesus and find safety. We flow in the spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit right now that we are baptized in fire even by the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that everyone under the sound of my voice, that we shall operate in the baptism where we're receiving a new prayer language where we're receiving a new boldness to share our faith, where we're receiving an understanding to walk in the power of the supernatural. God, I thank you that even those who are still on the edge, that even when we leave this service today, they won't leave distraught, but they will leave knowing that you're working a work on the inside of them. That some things are even progressive, but you still want them to have the full experience they're the same. So we cover them in the blood of Jesus. We cover them now and say, Lord, have your way. Be with us this week and show us things that are different than what we experienced before, even as a testimony of your move even today. We love you, Father. We magnify you. And we thank you for the truth that remains, that we are those who should be baptized in the Holy Spirit and with fire. We love you. We magnify you and we bless you in Jesus' precious name. We say amen, amen, and amen. Nathan's going to close the service out, but we're going to kind of stay in this atmosphere because what I do understand is there are some people who will still want to come. You might be a little shy. You might just need a little time by yourself. But after the service, our prayer leaders will still be down here to answer any questions and to pray with you if you need it. God bless you, Victory Midtown. We love you.